Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 19 of Retro Hangover. It is Retro Hangover. It is the revival, reporting, reposting, rewriting, repodcasting on this Retro Hangover podcast. Possibly potent, potentially, possibly, I said possibly, fuck. So <laughs> You're doing so well. <laughs> I was doing so well. From the salacious, sinfully stuttering Shane Kosky, our primary host, and I am your co-host, Chris Copeland, uh, it's been a long time for Retro Hangover, and it's so good to be back recording again. How are you doing on this fine, fine evening, Shane? Uh, you know, feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. It's uh, it's nice to get accustomed to the uh, to the recording space again. Um, some some quick behind the scenes. We took an awful long time trying to figure out how to even log into our own shit again. If that gives yes. you any idea of how long this has been. Um, yeah, and, uh, we're, we're pretty much going here, we're going to talk about, start out talking about what's taken us so long, uh, and we're, we're looking to roll into our current thoughts on, uh, the console generation, or just video games in general, or our general stances, and then we're going to have a special discussion about our favorite publisher developer of all time. Yes, forever and always. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> so Chris, you were, you were mentioning, um, what, what, was the reason why we haven't been recording any while, but I feel like for the most part, that's a story that I, that I think that you need to tell. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll, I'll start this off then. Yeah. Um, primarily it's because, uh, uh, I think I've disclosed this before, but I'm not sure, but I am in the military and I was deployed for a year in the kingdom of Bahrain. Ooh. It's a tiny little Tiny little island off the coast of Saudi Arabia. It's like a fiefdom, really. It's 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 a shithole. <laughs> uh, there are worse shitholes. Don't get me wrong. There are much worse shitholes, but uh, it's a shithole. And I was there for a year. And what I mean by there for a year? No offense is, to uh, our fans in Bahrain. Uh, we don't have any. <laughs> and if they are, they're they're probably American. <laughs> by all means, if you're a fan in Bahrain, please let me know in our <laughs> Facebook page. Yes, please which... like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So like, I, I I got there, and it's yeah, we did have internet there. But first of all, you're you're either six or seven hours ahead, or seven or eight hours ahead. I'm not sure, but um, that's a problem. First of all, uh, second of all, their internet's fair to Midland, but it's doable. Uh, but biggest problem was I was on a ship. I was on two Oilers for pretty much eight consecutive months. And there is no internet really on those ships. I mean, you, we have slow ass internet that takes about five minutes for Facebook basic to load. But outside of that, there's really nothing, uh, to do any recordings or any multimedia functions or anything of significance. So right now I've, I've been back now here for a month in Florida and I'm going to be going away again for a year. Uh, but not a ship, so we'll see what we can do. Uh, we, me and Shane have been talking about possibilities that we may do to keep the podcast afloat for the next year, but, uh, you know, that's, that's been my story. That's, uh, what I've been up to, uh, and it's just a lot of scheduled confliction, and, uh, go ahead and tell your story, Shane. I know it's not as remote as mine, but, yeah, I mean, what have you been up to? <clears throat> I mean... Basically, the moral of the story there is that this was Chris's fault. I just want to point that out. That I said, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's totally my fault. <laughs> uh, actually, it is. <clears throat> no, go ahead. What? No, I said actually it is. Oh, good. Okay, well, yes. I'm glad we agree about that. Yes. Uh, let's see. Me. Hmm. Um. God, it's been like a year. I don't know. Uh. So I started a new job. Uh. In that time. <clears throat> um. Mm-hmm. Working with uh, one of the major transportation companies down here in the northern Florida area um, in technology, as I am wont to do, uh, make use of that expensive piece of paper that I spent four years in college for. And uh, that's been going pretty well. Uh, there have been some very weird shakeups as far as management goes and what some may call a hostile takeover. Uh, 
me included in in that sum. Uh, but that happened in your job too. Yeah, 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 oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yours was a little bit more publicized, I think. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but things have kind of like you know shaken out now for the most part, and the dust has proverbially settled. Uh, so things are good. Things are good. Um, I actually just got back from a uh, vacation up to the Great White North, the tundra of Canada, uh, with the girlfriend, and that was a good time. Uh, of course, it's not really a tundra right now. It's a summer, so it was still like 75 and sunny, which was nice. Still it's better than Florida. Well, see, so that's the sad thing is that it is better than Florida, and yet I was still like sweating my ass off while we were walking around up there. Because apparently I am just built to be a northerner, and that's never going to change. But that's fine. Um, but it was a good trip. We uh, we went through uh, Niagara Falls, and then up to Toronto, and then Ottawa, and then finished off in Montreal. So we did a little a little tour of some of the more popular spots in in Canada. Hockey Hall of Fame, all that good stuff. You got to speak some French Canadian. Uh, well, I didn't speak any of it, but see, so here's the thing is like, <clears throat> it was actually really exhausting for me because I, I know enough French to be dangerous in, in that. I mean, like I can understand roughly about 80% or so of what a uh, people are saying in a conversation so I can follow along. It just takes a lot for me to like kind of mentally translate it. And so being in Montreal, it's a very heavy French speaking population. So that's like their primary language. And my girlfriend is fluent in French. So like they would have conversations in French all the time. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm getting most of this. Um, but by the end of the, like the three days that we were in Montreal, my brain was just dead. I was like, I need to go back somewhere where I can just speak American to somebody because <laughs> this is, this is getting to be a bit much, but, um, but it was very cool, though. We did a lot of stuff. Hockey Hall of Fame, um, a lot of the national museums in Canada, uh, did a couple of sightseeing cruises, uh, went into Niagara Falls. So uh, so it was a good time. It sounds like a good time. I've just been hot here in Florida, but it's better than Bahrain. I think it was like 130 degrees there now, 140. I feel like that's an overstatement. Uh, you can look it up. Go, go right for it. It's, it gets 140 degrees there in the summer. That is unacceptable. I don't, real, I don't know why people feel. leave, live there. I, I don't either. They hate it there too. Um, <laughs> that's probably why they're all so angry. <laughs> uh, so besides the, um, <clears throat> the traveling and, and, you know, just generally being missing in action on, on both of our sides for the most part. What kind of gaming have you been getting in over over the past several months? So, yeah, like, the, the, the entire world of gaming has completely changed since we did our last podcast. It's like Nintendo came out with the new system, which is something we'll be talking about later. Um, the PlayStation and uh, Sony and Microsoft, they kind of came out with new systems, kind of. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're, uh, Microsoft's going to be coming out with a new kind of, even more of a new kind of system. Um, but what have I been up to? So... Uh, for over the past year, you know, I've been on the ship. Mm -hmm. uh, I brought my PlayStation 3 with me to Bahrain, but it stayed in my flat, which I never lived in because I was on a ship. And uh, I just played emulators. So I got very, very good at figuring how to emulate stuff. So, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of SNES emulation, uh, a lot of Sega CD emulation, some, some Turbo CD emulation. Uh, so I was enjoying uh, the the classics of old, and then when I got uh, back to my flat in Bahrain, it became you know Dynasty Warrior Gundam, and because uh, it was just easy, and I didn't have to care about anything. It's a stupid dumb game, so uh, definitely playing that. Uh, since I came back, of course, I I somehow miraculously found a Switch. Uh, I repaired a Sega CD, and I have that working, and got some more Master Systems games to my ever growing collection in the in the way to. Uh, you know, hopefully getting a complete U.S. set one day for no reason other than just because I can. But other than that, it's, uh, that's pretty much the gist of it. Very cool. So, like, was there any specific classic titles that you were really trying to play through while you were on the ship or just trying to get whatever? Uh, so, I mean, notably I played through, uh, uh, Seiken Densetsu. I probably screwed up the pronunciation there. I'm not really thinking about it. Or Secret of Mana 2. Mm. Uh, played that. 
Of course, not multiplayer because you know you're all by yourself in your little stateroom. Sure. But uh, also Lunar Two, Eternal Blue. I played the first one as well. Emulated. Uh, played some Castlevania, Rano Blood. Uh, no, those are the notable ones. I can go on and on. I mean, it's been a year, so <laughs> that's true. <laughs> there's probably been a lot we've both played. Um, and uh, definitely some game time here, but I haven't really beaten anything. I've tried to spend most of my time hanging out with my family and. Uh, hanging out with my friends, uh, so gaming really hasn't been a priority while I've been here. Oh, that makes sense. You know, you mm-hmm. do the responsible thing. People, people, people to. probably want to see you in the in the month that you're back home. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to see them, but <laughs> <laughs> well, Not, I mean, your, some, your sacrifice is appreciated, I'm sure. Uh, uh, yes, it is, and it's 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 very much paid in in booze and uh, food. And I've, I think I've gained like 20 pounds since I've been back. Wow. In a month. In a month. That's impressive. I, I swear to God, it's, it's, it's just been drunken debauchery. <laughs> and nonstop beer. I don't think there's been a day I haven't been drunk since I've been back. And that's not good. But, uh, it's, it's gonna change again quickly. So. How about yourself, Shane? What's your, what's your gaming year been like? Oh, man. Yeah, that's a long ass time. Um, I guess the most notable things would probably be I took it upon myself to finally go through and play through the entirety of the Kingdom Hearts series. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, your condolences are appreciated. Um, so sorry. So, I okay, I actually really like Kingdom Hearts. I will put that out there. Um, it's sort of like one of... I understand the fandom now more uh, in that I really get the love-hate relationship that like Kingdom Hearts fans have with the series. Uh, because... It is a lot of fun. The games are a lot of fun for the most part. Um, at least the mainline ones are. There are some other offshoot ones that I don't agree with so much, but mainline games are a good time. They're a lot of fun. I really like, you know, the interaction with the different Disney worlds and stuff. It's, it's cool. And, and my girlfriend really likes it too. So she really enjoyed like watching me play through them. Um, I picked up a PS2 Slim in Tallahassee actually at a retro game store for about like 50 bucks it was like refurbed and really nice it works really well um and I had never owned a PS2 before so it's actually my first one believe it or not and um I picked it up specifically to play uh Kingdom Hearts so so I've been playing through the originals I didn't do any of the like HD remakes or 1.5 remix or whatever the fuck it is um so I played through those two, so Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, and then I started on doing the, like, the interstitial titles, like, uh, 358 over 2, I believe, days is one of them. Um, the simple fact you have a problem remi- uh, remembering the title's name is indicative of how fucked up that series is. <laughs> Dude, that is like the tip of the iceberg, man. Yes. But if, if you can't just remember one... And that one is is fairly more recent than the rest of them. Then, well, the I mean, reason you start to go down okay, a slippery slope. So the reason that I that I had a little trouble with that one is because of the way that it's quote end quote properly supposed to be read. Because when you read it, you're just like it looks like 358 divided by two days. That is not how you're supposed to say the title. You're supposed to say uh, 358. I actually think it's 358 days over two. I could be wrong about that, but. Either way, it's fucking bananas. But, like, uh, I'm actually still in the process of playing through that one, as a matter of fact. It's on the, on, well, on my 3DS. It's a DS game, but I'm playing it on my 3DS. Um, and that one is cool because it gives you a lot of the backstory of Organization 13, which you don't really get in uh, Kingdom Hearts 2. They're in there, but you don't really learn a lot about the members. And this one is focused purely on like Roxas and all of the Organization 13 members. So that's cool. Um, it's also a fun game to play. Now, the, uh, the other one, one of the other ones, which was the, uh, shit, it's the card based system one that I'm best chain of memories. Yes. Thank you. Chain of memories. I fucking hated that game. Um, the card system is garbage. Total garbage. And you can break it. Well, so that's the thing, man, is like, I, I got maybe about halfway through that game and then I started getting fed up because the boss fights are fucking stupid. 
in that game. And so I went and looked up some stuff and people were basically like, yeah, man, just put this particular card combination together and then you can cheese the rest of the game. And I'm like, if that's what I need to do to enjoy this game, I'm not going to do it. Like that's, that's just, to me, that's indicative of a broken system. So like Final Fantasy VIII, they do it too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that actually, that's one of the very few games I've just straight up given up on. Um, and I really did try, but, uh, I gave up on that one about halfway through. And then my girlfriend and I just like went on YouTube and watched all the cutscenes, and that was it. We're like, we get the story. That's fine. So you said the entire kingdom Hearts series. So what was your opinion on final fantasy 15? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. That, you know, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> uh, but no, so that's kind of been my endeavor as far as gaming goes over the past year is trying to get through all those because Kingdom Hearts 3, in theory, is supposed to be coming out next year. Actually, the announcement was just like today, I think, or yesterday from yeah. uh, D23, the Disney Expo thing, that it's supposed to be coming out in 2018 now. We'll see if that actually happens, but uh, so I'm is trying to get to caught PC? up. No, as far as I know, it's still PlayStation exclusive, which means I'm going to have to get my hands on like a used PS4 or something just to play it because I am a horrible fucking addict and apparently I need to buy a console for one game. And before we move on, $50 for a PS2, you have got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, well, I figured it was worth the money. Like it... He, it was, it was a very, like, pristine PS2. Like, he, he put some work into cleaning it up and making sure that everything was, like, working really well and everything. So, it might be a bit much, yes, but I, I, I was okay with paying that for it. I, I'm, I'm just saying, I have two fat PS2s right now in my living room. No idea if they work. I just would have given you one. Well, so here's the thing, man, is I actually had two different PS2s that I had picked up from um, oh, a yeah, sale. A yard sale, someone was selling it, granted, it's a yard sale, I get that, but, uh, neither one of them worked for different reasons. Like, one of the, one of them, the disk drive was fucked up, and then the other one, like, the memory card slot didn't work. So I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna go buy one. So, you know what, I was okay with paying 50 bucks, cause that thing works just fine. Well, I'm happy you bought a $50 PS2. Yeah. If it makes you happy. Yeah, well, you know what? I can hear it in your voice, and I will say, fuck you very much too, Chris. That's fine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. PS2. Experience greatness. Definitely. <laughs> anyway, okay, so, moving on. Uh, so, like we were kind of alluding to before, and we'll, we'll make this somewhat brief, uh, before we get into the main topic, is the industry, the video game industry has changed quite a bit over the past year. Mm. So, uh, we'll just touch on where we think everything is, you know, PC, Xbox, Sony, and uh, Nintendo, and where they're going, and uh, the state of the industry, kind of in our opinions, and uh, we'll try to make it quick, but you know how it gets on this podcast, <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll try to make do our best, as Shane would say, to be succinct, mm. and get to the point, and uh, what we feel about it. So Shane, go ahead, uh, get us started. Let's start, uh, what's your overall opinion on where the video game industry is now, today, and uh, moving forward? Okay, in my very... <clears throat> abbreviated opinion on everything um i i find it interesting that the major console publishers are moving towards more of an apple model of hardware releases in that they are uh small like intermediary steps rather than major releases like they have done historically uh i i actually personally think it is the right move if they want to continue to be relevant um, because of how quickly hardware, uh, improves. Although I do think that they need to change their branding. I will say that, um, they need to, they need to go full Apple if they're going to do this and just say, okay, this is the PlayStation. This is the Xbox. And then just release like interstitial upgrades, you know, every whatever, six months or whatever it is they want to do. Stop calling it different shit. Like, you're, you're, you're like, they're, they're like one foot in the pool and one foot outside where they're like, well, we want to adopt this like release model, but we still want to keep calling them different things. And it just gets fucking confusing. Just call it what it is. It's a product line and just go from there. That's all I have to say on that one. Um, PC, from what I can tell, things are still pretty good. Um, 
Steam is still awesome. A lot of the other uh, online stores are actually finally catching up to Steam in terms of quality. So I hate using them less than I did before. Um, I know that my digital library on my PC has uh, expanded a little bit beyond Steam now. So I've got a lot more titles like living on like the good old games launcher, which I never had before. Uh, and then of course, some of the other ones like, you know, we've, you play and origin. I've got that shit on there too. Um, I will say it's interesting though, that destiny two is going to be on the blizzard launcher now, but that's just because of the, you know, relationship with Activision act blizz. Yes, exactly. Um, but I like where PC gaming's at. I kind of always have, um, I've never really had an issue with it for the most part other than shitty ports, but that's actually been slowly getting better over time. Um, and as far as Nintendo, because I don't consider them in the same ballpark as Microsoft and Xbox or <laughs> Microsoft and Sony, um, we're going to talk about this more in a little bit, but the short version is, is I feel like they seem to fall ass backwards into success and then don't know how to handle it. <laughs> um, no. I, I actually really like my Switch, and I like where it's going. There's a lot of promise for the system. Um, there's a lot of upcoming titles that I'm kind of excited about, but I just think they have no idea how to actually handle their own products. And uh, I'll, I'll echo a lot of the same things you just said. Uh, when you look at uh, Microsoft and Sony and how they're branding their divisions... And I think Sony knows what they want to do, and you have PlayStation now and how much better that streaming has gotten. I didn't have faith in it originally. I think I talked about this on one of our early podcasts, that PlayStation now is going to be a disaster. Mm. And I still think overall it's not been what they've wanted it to be. But I think it's getting there. Um, and I think, you know, the I won't say the PlayStation 5 will be, because we really have to wait till fiber optics grabs a hold of every major market in the United States to be possible. But eventually you're going to have... The, a PlayStation branded thing is just going to be a streaming device or it's just going to be a service provided through your PC like Steam is where you're going to be streaming games uh, and you're going to have options on various systems. If you become a streaming service with PlayStation Now or whatever they want to call it in the future, the PlayStation 4 can be immortal when you really think about it. You really don't need the processing power. You just need something in order to have a strong enough internet connection that it can render it on your TV and it can be acceptable. It can be developed by another server miles and miles away. It doesn't even matter. Um, Xbox kind of doing the same thing. They're dipping back into the retro, well, I wouldn't say retro, but just their, their game catalog with what the Xbox pass. Mm -hmm. We can start accessing things, uh, more of an on-demand kind of service. So, uh, what you're saying, I think is actually coming true when it comes to Sony and, and Microsoft, because I mean, they're PCs now. They're, they're PCs, and that's that's what brings me to the PC topic. Um, PC is is going to be the standard bearer. I, I can't see a future where consoles, in the traditional sense, what we get from Sony and Microsoft, are going to be viable. Are going to be uh, continuing on in the way that we have seen them since the eighties. I, I can't see that anymore. There's no reason you can't go out right now and buy a PC and build your own PC for $500 and you have a 4K capable PC that can do more than just play games unlike the Xbox and uh, the PlayStation. And I don't do not see a future where they can sustain the mentality of they they've had. So the PC gaming market and it's getting more and more easier. It's getting to the point you can swap out gar uh, gaming uh, graphics cards like you can a game cartridge. Or you can swap out parts just like a games cartridge and you're on and you're off your way. And what you do, it's becoming more and more like that. So PC is, it's going to dominate. And if they don't see that, uh, it, you're dumb. Uh, because AAA titles are going to come to PC. They're going to be optimized for PC because they haven't been in the past, but it's getting there now. Uh, it's going to be the way to go. And I know that you saw this years ago. I, I started seeing this years ago. And I honestly think the only company that's trying to do anything different is Nintendo. And like mm -hmm. I, like we said, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, I, and they get I give them major props that uh, they're doing different things because you're going to need to do something different nowadays in order to stand out and compete in the market. Uh, when it comes to software, I know we touched on this 
uh, a while, a while back about how we felt about modern gaming. I actually think modern gaming has gotten a lot better. I think the game quality has gotten better. I think it's gotten more diverse. I think you have better quality experiences. And I think a lot of that is, too, with uh, Nintendo to credit. You have uh, new and interesting experiences on the Switch. Uh, the indie de- development scene has now kind of grown out of indie and, and started getting more more funding and started being more fun. Uh, Sony's coming out with the the real meat of the PlayStation 4 library right now. Not just Sony; other developers know how to really take advantage of this console generation. And uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the the fact of how burgeoning of a business the PC has been and how easy it is to just convert everything over. So I think we're really hitting the stride of this generation. I think. Uh, once we start getting into the PS4 Pro and, and Scorpio, and it's going to start getting confusing for consumers. But I, I like what I see. I like the software lineup that's coming out from everybody. And I am going to have a lot more positive view of where gaming is going forward than I did one, two years ago. So um very much looking forward to what's going to be happening. Yeah, awesome. That's a good segue, actually, talking about uh, Nintendo and some of the, let's say, unique... <laughs> things that they've been doing. Um, that is going to transition us into our main topic of discussion for this particular uh, episode. Uh, so let's take a look at what is on tap. All right, so as we stated earlier, Nintendo... It's it's probably the best video game company ever. I would say ever. I mean, you can be disagree if you want, but uh, probably the best video game developer and publisher ever. Um, and it's all near and dear to our hearts. Well, they certainly have but the most longevity. That's definitely true. I, I I still make the argument that their their first party products uh, have the best consistency out of any company uh, in terms of quality and quantity. I, I don't think that's debatable. I mean, you can make it debatable, we can debate it, but I think that <laughs> is there. But um, th- th- we're seeing a lot of trends uh, with Nintendo that they've seen for years, and this, this, this is probably something that a lot of you have kind of heard before, but you know, this is for our own spin about just what Nintendo is doing, how they're approaching the market, um, and how it's frustrating consumers. And this doesn't, isn't just just about the switch no no it's not um and this is actually it's a historical issue really uh with nintendo as a whole like it's so i think what what we're going to end up driving at here really uh and you can correct me if i'm wrong chris but i'm pretty sure what we really want to talk about is the the notion of artificial scarcity and whether or not that is a myth or if there is some truth to it, or if ultimately it is actually just Nintendo handling their supply chain in a, let's say, less than efficient manner. Has anyone just gotten to the point where they just think Nintendo doesn't know the demand for their own product? Uh, yes. Yeah, that, I, I think you can't see it, but I'm raising my hand right now, so. Yeah. Um, they, I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing. I think that's the point they're missing. They don't understand the demand for their own product. They, they're, they're completely disconnected from the consumer base in that manner. Um, look at, look at Amiibos, the shortages they had with Amiibos. I don't think they thought the Amiibos would be that big just because the Wii U wasn't that big. They thought the Wii U was going to be a bigger deal than it was because you could find a Wii U everywhere when those came out. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think they thought the NES Classic was going to be as as a surefire seller as that was. I just looked it up, uh, saw some articles. It sold anywhere between two and two and a half million units in five months, which I think is faster than the Wii sold at any point uh, <laughs> throughout its life cycle. But I just don't think they knew that it was going to be that high of demand. Uh, I don't... And the Switch is a different issue. And do you, do you know the Switch when it comes to the memory and stuff, right? Uh, well, there were some things about the Switch that I was going to bring up, but the memory thing specifically, I'm actually not familiar with. Okay, so like uh, the iPhone, whatever iPhone eight is that what's coming out next? I don't know. Yeah, can't keep up with this shit. But Apple's coming out with the iPhone eight, so they're ramping up production of the iPhone eight. The iPhone eight and the Switch use the same NAND memory. Uh, uh, right now, Nintendo's major issue is Switch production, the, allegedly. I mean, this is, it's, it's almost to be as fact what's going on, but 
you always know there's businessmen, is that Nintendo is trying to get the same memory chips that Apple is, and who's going to get demand sooner? Well, of course, Apple is the, the largest tech giant in the planet, and they're they're consistently, you know, they have a wider audience they can reach. They're going to sell more, and everyone pretty much accepts and knows this. So that's Nintendo's competing with Apple in order to get certain parts for their system out there. That's the thing with the Switch. Hmm. Um, okay. But I also kind of think the Switch was, if that was the case, I think the Switch was put out a little early. But when you look at the failures of the Wii U, uh, I don't think Nintendo had any idea how well the Switch was going to do. But they had to know it was going to do better than how they have delivered it. And so that does bring up the question of artificial scarcity. Is it real or is it not? I mean, what's your take on that? <laughs> so so that's a little bit of a tough one because um, I can see both sides of the argument, I think. But if we want to focus in just on, let's say, the more recent Nintendo, like we era up till now, right? Yeah. Um, it's from what I can tell – uh, it appears to be a series of miscalculations from the beginning. So Nintendo went into uh, the Wii not having a clue that it was going to be the breakout success that it was. They had no idea. Uh, no. And and I don't. I personally don't hold that that against them at all because if I were them, I probably wouldn't have known that either. I mean, honestly, they were taking a gamble really with that mm -hmm. one and it paid off and that's awesome, but they were not prepared for that whatsoever. So I don't, in that instance, I do not think that that was a purposeful, um, you know, artificial scarcity scenario. I think that that was Nintendo just not realizing the gold mine they had on their hands and then scrambling to catch up. So, so they go from, the breakout success of the Wii, uh, you know, being installed in, in, in family homes and nursing homes across the, across the world. Uh, so the elderly can play Wii bowling. And then they went up with their successor, which would be the Wii U, which we can go into that one if we want to, but let's just say that the marketing on that one was an abysmal failure, um, from basically every angle from naming to the actual marketing campaign to literally everything. Um, and, and so they had something that was such a huge success. And then I feel like they ramped up production on the Wii U to, in hopes that it would match. And it did not clearly. And so they were kind of left holding the bag on that one. So that was also, that was miscalculation number two. And then going from there, they're like, okay, well, we need to do something, you know, to follow this thing up that's going to be way better than what we've done with the Wii U. This, I, I think, at least in some part, they realized that that was kind of like a half-baked thing. Like, I, I, don't get me wrong, I like my Wii U. Like, it actually has a lot of really great titles on it. Um, I just think that it was sort of like the neglected weird stepchild in this whole scenario. But, um, so they're like, all right, we need to do something. And so they come up with the switch. And so now they're gun shy, right? So they've had, uh, an entire, uh, console cycle of something that just did not work. It didn't sell up to their expectations at all. They were trying to get rid of stock or, you know, just trying to slash prices on it, get it out the door, whatever. And it was, for all intents and purposes, a failure. So they're really, really cautious this time around. And they kind of, they're like a pendulum. They go from one end to the other. So now they're back on the other side where they were with the Wii originally, where they're like, eh, I don't know if this is going to work. So we're only going to make X amount of these things and just pray that our numbers look good. And then it turns out that it's a success. Like, I, I actually don't know the numbers myself, but I, I don't know if it's as high as the Wii as far as sales numbers go. And you might be able to correct me on that one, but, um, it's definitely a success. And so now they're having a hard time catching up because they just simply did not produce enough. So I would have to say by and large, I don't think that there's really 
some sort of like weird uh, conspiracy or something going on in Nintendo's, you know, dimly lit back rooms or anything of like, well, you know, if we only make X amount of these, it's going to make it look like it's more popular than it is. I actually just think they're just really shitty at <laughs> trying to figure out how well their products are going to sell. Now, oh, yeah. I- I'm not so sure about the Amiibo. That's kind of a different argument a little bit because I actually even think that there's a little bit of weird skullduggery going on with those because I ca- have... I have a hard time believing that Nintendo did not know that little RFID-enabled fucking figurines of everybody's favorite characters were not going to sell like crazy. That one, I have a harder time believing. And the worst part about it is, too, is if you have Breath of the Wild, if you want Epona, or at least the the official Epona, you have to have the Link Smash Amiibo, which hasn't been in production for two years. And no one was looking at that Amiibo two years ago and thinking, oh, if I don't have that, I'm not going to have fucking Epona. So you don't really have a follow-up to that release now, and uh, you don't really see Nintendo having an answer to respond to that. So No, I just think it's a, it's a series of, like, mismanagements. That's really what I think it is. Like, as much as we like Nintendo for what they give us and we we love their ip and for the most part they are a very family friendly kind of give you this very like warm happy vibe kind of company and they do it really well um i feel like for someone who's been in business for as long as they have somehow they still manage to really bungle a lot of this stuff so so here here's like the real question is why if you're Nintendo, you see the runaway success of the NES Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, you see people buying that fucking thing for $200 on eBay. $250, $300. Which is ridiculous. Now, I didn't get my hands on one. I don't know. Did you Did you get your hands on an NES Classic? I didn't even bother. Yeah. So, I mean, $60 for an NES Classic. They saw the, 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 the hype that came out around it when they announced it. Uh, they came out with it. I just, like I said, looked up. They, they sold between two and two and a half million units of these things. So, it doesn't make sense to me. If you're Nintendo, you've been in business forever. Um, to just say, eh, you know what? We're never making this again. We're never making this again. You have pretty much given scalpers, like, carte blanche to pretty much eat up every single bit of your sales. Like, they they are eating it up. They're making money hand over fist on on your behalf. So that doesn't that doesn't grasp me. So then they announced the SNES uh, Classic, which uh, I'm very excited for. Um, I don't know how... how you, you Have you looked into it and see what's on there and uh, what's coming out with that? Yeah, yeah, I have. And it, it's definitely got a pretty decent collection of titles on there. I mean, if for nothing else, it's got Star Fox 2, which was unreleased so that's cool right i mean i wish it had 30 games as opposed to 21 sure there are some obvious omissions and you know people that say turtles in time to just stop because konami doesn't own the license and licensing and you don't understand licensing if you're complaining about that but I'm, i'm i'm happy most people seem to understand that but if you don't just stop um but in any case they've come out and said like oh there's gonna be more of these this time well no, how much more? You know, why does this have to be a limited run? You know people want this. This is a product you can provide. It's not competing with your current system. It's a completely different system. It's providing a completely different experience. So why in the world can you not just offer these plug, plug and plays up and be like, you know, here's, here's this. Now, 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 the theory is that these are to promote virtual console sales later on. And... I can somewhat believe that, but I don't think there's any correlation. I think the person that misses out on buying these classic systems um, won't necessarily get them when they come out on the virtual console. I don't think there's that much of an attachment. I think most of the attachment was due to the fact that you have a little system that looks like the original system, and it has the a controller that looks like the original controller – and you can play them like you did back in the day, three feet away from your television screen, because everything's so fucking short. So, well, that is one improvement. The <laughs> SNES Classic cords are, like, I think twice as long as the original. So, you know, they got that going yeah. for it. But the thing is, is, like, I, I don't think 
now granted there is if you look at the Venn diagram of people who are buying these things there is definitely some crossover but I don't think that the same people that would be buying a lot of these titles on a virtual console on say Switch whenever that happens or you know Wii U or whatever I, I don't think that that's really the target market for these classic like miniature consoles. This is a nostalgia grab. That's all it's ever been. And this is really targeting more of those people that actually aren't keeping up with video games. It's the mid 30 year old, you know, early forties kind of crowd who are like, Oh shit, man. I remember having an NES and, you know, playing those games back in the day. Oh, that's only 60 bucks. Oh, I'm going to pick it up off of this, you know, corner display in Target and hook it up to my TV at home and enjoy some nostalgia for, you know, a few days or whatever. Like, I feel like that's really the target for this thing. And I, so there's not a whole lot of crossover into the people who are going to be like dropping money on virtual console titles. Which makes it even weirder to me that there's such uh, a limited amount of these available. Because you're right. Like, they're essentially leaving money on the table. And this is a decision that they've made with a lot of things in the past that they, I feel like they're missing out on a lot of potential profit on something that's such a, it's a fucking softball. It really is. Like, they could have knocked this one out of the park if I'm gonna follow the baseball analogy. But, like, it, it, the 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 overhead on these is so minimal. I mean, to the point where on the NES Classic, it, it was all but confirmed that they were taking fucking ROMs of their own games from the internet and putting them on this system. Like, this thing is no more than just a box that runs an emulator. Like, this is so easy for them to put out and just make profit hand over fist on and for whatever weirdly obfuscated reason, they have decided not to do that. It's a, it's a glorified Raspberry Pi is really what it is. Right. Except it's, you know, an enclosed Raspberry Pi that you can't add gates to yourself. Well, now people can. But, um, <laughs> well, I figure that and out. And actually, that's part of the reason that I didn't buy one. Because when I looked at it, I was like, well, you know what? That's cool. But if I really wanted an NES emulator, like, I have an... I mean, you know, don't go spreading this around or anything, but I, I have every single NES title that's ever been released in North America and Japan on my hard drive right now that with a few simple steps, I can throw on a Raspberry Pi and hook it up to a controller and make my own friggin' NES classic that has way more titles than that thing right. ever does. So, And I think that might be what... Nintendo was anticipating, uh, cause I'm somewhat shocked, right? Because Nintendo, at least Nintendo of America is rather in tune with what their consumer base wants or what their consumer banks base is thinking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, amongst us, especially us, you know, more, more video game enthusiasts, uh, that you know, I'll try to coin us as, um, <laughs> uh, grown, grown men who play video games. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, and are very into it. In any case, uh, like they, they have that kind of tapped in. They, they knew that people like us, they, sh- they had to have known people like us would have, would have liked to get our hands on one of these just for the novelty purposes. Maybe not for the functionality and practicality because, I mean, we all know how to work emulators, mm-hmm. but it makes me wonder if they did miscalculate that and be like, well, all these people that <coughs> are, are more into the games, are, are gonna have emulators anyway. They don't buy our stuff on virtual console. We have more of the casuals that do that. They're gonna look at this and they're, they're, they're gonna say, oh, it's cute, but they're gonna go back and, and emulate the games as they have been. You can't, cause you can't tell me Nintendo doesn't know about the emulation scene. Hell, I mean, we all know they know about how many people have played Mother 3, uh, cause they talk about it all the damn time. There's no way to play Mother 3 in English unless you're emulating the damn thing. And they, they know there's a fan translation. They know there are people playing it this way. So if they know that, I mean, they're not stupid, obviously. They know their games are being emulated. Um, so maybe that was their, their calculation. I doubt it. Um, maybe there was a limited scarcity 
But again, if you, you drive up that artificial scarcity or you make it a limited run to drive demand for your products, like there's going to be an increased demand for the SNES Classic just because people are going to want to get their hands on them. They don't know whether or not they can. And maybe it's going to be so easy to do so to make more money. But at the same point, like you said, this is a softball. Um, and it should be the same way with the Switch. And it makes me wonder too if this is a, it's a pride thing with the NES Classic. Uh, and it's coming more from Nintendo Japan. Because the NES Classic, when you think about it, had the potential to outsell the Wii U in terms of total units. Um, <laughs> is that really something that Nintendo of Japan or really any business wants to admit that if you have this thing on the market in a year and you make 15 million of them, they, you're going to sell 15 million of them. But you couldn't do that with the Wii U. And that's your brand new system. So then it really becomes a matter of, well, what do you do? Uh, maybe you should be like Sega and just license out your shit to every single system ever and dilute the value of every single one of your games. Or do you make it limited and be like, okay, our main products over here come buy our new shit. Uh, this is what we really do. So that's, that's kind of where my mentality is on them. I, you know, I never thought about it that way, but I mean, that is actually a pretty interesting theory. If, if that does hold any truth, I would say that it's from a purely business perspective, it's a terrible stance to take. Um, they, if that is the case, then they really ought to just, you know, sucked up their pride and put that thing out there because in what really matters in the business world, as much as we, you know, like to think in terms of, you know, whimsical video games and whatever, when, when you really, at the end of the day, it is a business and the bottom line is what matters most just with any business. And to say that, oh, well, you know, we're going to limit production on this particular product because we don't want to make our other product look bad. It's like, well, you know what? You're still making money from both of them. So if this thing is going to outsell your your mainline console from a few years ago that didn't perform as well as you wanted it to, so fucking what? Like, this thing is still going to be flying off of shelves. Like, I could understand the artificial scarcity argument for these if the initial run was uh short. If it came up short... And then it created this sort of artificial demand for them. And then, you know, give it a little bit of time. And then Nintendo comes back and says, hey, guys, that thing that everybody's clamoring for, we just got a whole bunch more of them in. They're going to be in stores across the country. Here you go. This is what you wanted. That would be how you play that card, except they fucking don't. That's the thing. Is like, that's why I have a hard time believing the scarcity argument is because if this was a calculated move on Nintendo's behalf, that's what they would have done. And they don't. Instead, they're like, okay, we're making X amount of these things. And then also, by the way, guys, we're going to announce that we're discontinuing them. So if you didn't get one, well, too fucking bad. Good luck on eBay paying like $300 for this thing. And that's just bad business. If you really want to play it, it's on the virtual console. Ah, but see, I think I on I actually think you're giving them too much credit on that one. I really do. I think everyone is giving them too much credit on that cuz that 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 idea didn't come from me. I think that's blatant stupidity because I think the people that would you think might buy it on the virtual console cuz they couldn't get an NES Classic are going to be the ones who go straight to the internet, download an emulator and then play the shit out of it there. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, okay, so here's the thing. Um, this is, I was, I was looking up some of this stuff in, in preparation for our discussion. And one of the things that really stuck out to me, uh, was that for the Switch specifically, because people have been having the same conversation about the Switch, right? Where you're yeah. saying, oh, well, you know, this is Nintendo doing this fucking thing again where, they only made a limited amount on purpose to make it seem like it's more popular than it is. The one like real concrete piece of evidence that you can really look to, to refute that argument uh, is the, uh, the way that Nintendo had to end up shipping uh, their consoles. So typically they would ship these things by sea, right? Uh, on an actual ship. That is actually one of the cheapest ways to get product from, you know, Japan to 
points all over the globe, uh, including us. And they had to actually stop doing that. And, uh, they airshipped runs of switch consoles to various countries around the world, uh, just to get them there faster because they ran out of stock so quickly and people were demanding them so much that they airshipped them. And to give some perspective on that, that's give or take uh ballpark is about like, maybe they were saying like $45 per console, by the way, per console, $45 per console shipped to airship those things. That's how much more expensive it is to fly those things to their destinations than it is through traditional means. So that is not the tactic of a company that has a calculated fucking plan. That is something that a company is doing to scramble to try to get their product to people who want it. So if you ever wanted to, if you ever wanted to figure out whether or not there's some like insidious plan that Nintendo has to withhold stuff from you, that right there is pretty indicative of the fact that they actually just don't know what the fuck they're doing. No, I really don't think they do. And you go back to like the, their business plan. I think you said something like that, you know, Nintendo, if that was their business plan about, uh, having it being limited and the pride thing about what their business thing is. Remember, Nintendo's overall, and you've heard, I've heard different things, uh, saying that it's not Nintendo of America, it's Nintendo of Japan, it's just Nintendo as a whole. Their entire, I think it's mostly Nintendo of Japan, um, that's my personal opinion. But their entire business strategy has been awful. Uh, I, th- I would say that the marketing for the Switch was mostly pulled off by Nintendo of America, because Nintendo of Japan didn't want to say shit about it uh-huh. forever. But, you know, just, just take, take, Let's look at the big examples. If you want to do voice chat on the fucking Nintendo Switch, you have to have a cell phone, you have to have an adapter, you have to have a headset, and you have to have your Switch. Um, why? Uh, like, you, you can't get like a Bluetooth fucking headset and make this fucking work? Or, I mean, it's, it's, there's an, uh, there's an auxiliary jack on the Switch, so it's not like it, you know, it couldn't be done. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. How's, how's your entire network being supported through your cell, a uh, cell phone app? Why can't you manage your account through the fucking Switch? Why do I have to go on to, uh, your website to get a fucking account. Why, if I want to make an account for my kid, and maybe, maybe this is a smart business move, but I don't fucking like it. This is my kid still doesn't have a fucking Nintendo account. I have to pay you 50 cents in order to get a kid account. I can't just make an account for him for free. I got to pay them 50 cents for them to have, make a kid account for my child. <laughs> like what the actual fuck? And now you're looking at like Breath of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, which everyone loves. I ended up getting for the Wii U because we couldn't find a Switch. Uh, we found one, you know, uh, about a week ago, uh, just walked into Walmart and it was there. We got the neon one, but I already had Zelda Breath of the Wild and I was hoping like maybe the Wii U version is going to kind of be like what Twilight Princess was on the uh, GameCube and it's going to have features that you're not going to find on the Switch. Uh, it's going to be the last hurrah. It's going to be the superior version, but it's still going to be that. Thanks for sticking with the Wii U. Uh, this is our love letter to you. No, fuck that. Every single second screen function is gone. Yep. The second screen is a black fucking screen. It is awful. Now, you could say maybe that helped Nintendo business-wise anyway because they're making money hand over fist on the Switch version. But you, you say, like, they do not know what they are doing. They are the one company that it seems like, at least in America, they are tapped into what their consumers want. They're tapped into the gamer culture. They hire the right people for these Nintendo events all around. You know, like... uh uh, the Nintendo Jacksonville network, they, they, they know their product. They know their people. They, they get out on the, uh, boots on ground better than Sony or Microsoft does any fucking day of the week. Sure. Um, and yet they are so fucking lost when it comes to how to take care of people. Look at what they do with fucking YouTube, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. No, yeah. this is, this is not a company that knows what they're doing. And yeah, you said it best at the beginning of this conversation. Um, when you were talking about where, where the companies are going, Nintendo continuously finds a way to fall ass backwards into success. When they are successful, no one knows why the fuck they're successful, but they are, and they do it, even though the entire time you're like, this is all fucked up. If only they did this, it'd be so much better. Well, you know, I mean, and one of the things that you, I guess we take for granted, um, now, but one of the things that Nintendo still has not gotten right 
even with the Switch, and this actually kind of blew me away because I really thought that this was going to be their chance to finally fix this, uh, was their, uh, the internet functionality, their networking. It's, it's still, okay, it is still based on Nintendo friend IDs. Do you know, yeah, it's awful. do you know how fucking terrible that is in 2017 where we've had the two other major console publishers for at least two console cycles now have online services that granted they've had their bumps along the road, but they've more or less figured out how to make that a fairly seamless process. It's very easy to build a friends list. You can play with people without too much hassle and somehow Nintendo releases their brand new console with this same old bullshit archaic Nintendo friend ID system where the only way that you can actually add someone to a friends list is if you know this unnecessarily long fucking string of numbers and letters or whatever. But but, but don't worry, you can link it to Miitomo and Super Mario Run. And Fire Emblem Heroes, because everyone's playing that right now. Well... That totally wasn't forgotten about. Yeah, no, no, not at all. So the funny thing about that, though, is I guess maybe partially because I'm lazy, but also maybe because I just expected this to be fucking easier at this point. But I think the only people I've added to my friends list on my Switch are people who I also was friends with like through those mobile apps, because I just can't be fucking asked to go through and figure out people's cryptic nintendo network ids anymore um but yeah i don't know man okay so i I wanted to touch real quick on the the cell phone thing so i will agree that i think by and large it's kind of bullshit but I, i actually kind of feel like i have to give them a little bit of credit on that one because i think in some cases nintendo is actually a little farther ahead of the curve than than they are for their own good. Um, and I think this might be one of those instances because it act from a logical standpoint, right? It actually does kind of make sense that they would say, you know, listen, why the fuck are we going to build this whole infrastructure to include, you know, voice chat and all this other stuff when realistically people already have a plethora of services that do that for them now. I mean, discord is huge. Everybody uses Discord now for chat and for voice and for everything. So, and you can have that on your PC, you can have it on your phone, you can be connected to your guild mates, your clan members or whatever, like all the time. So I actually can kind of see some of the logic behind it where they're like, okay, well, if people are already using these other third party services to talk to their friends when they're playing games, why are we going to put the effort into also include it when they can just do it that way? Um, I, I'm not sure that this was the right time to do that. And I also am not sure that they're handling it in the right way, but I can at least give them credit that I see, I can see the thought process that went into it. Thought process or not, it's a portable system. Sure. So how are you supposed to play Splatoon 2 while your TV's docked? Mm. Yeah, that's true. Like, you can't play, you can't have online chat while you're playing on your TV. It's only for portability. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what I really see, like, this is probably, the, the Switch is clearly, uh, after getting one as well, the Switch is clearly a portable console. Oh yeah. It is, it's just, it's, it's, it's the fucking PlayStation T, it's, it's, it's what the Vita could have been with the PlayStation TV. Mm-hmm. In fact, it really is with, the, it's, it's a Super Vita. Um, but it's missing so much shit, just like the Vita. You know, where's Netflix? Where's YouTube? Where's all these, uh, additional apps? Well, well, Why where's not- even a, like, easily searchable e-store? Like, their, their digital store right now is still a complete fucking mess. Like, it's, it, you can't, there, the only way that you can find things is either by searching by a title that you already know or hoping you can find it in their, like, best sellers category. Like, it's, it is lacking a lot of, like, basic quality of life. Well, I mean, it's also lacking games for the most part at the moment as well. Yeah, it's um, been slowly ho- getting better. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, you know, as they get more games, that will have to correct itself. Um, because publishers are gonna start getting pissed at them too. 
you know, why is my game all the way? Uh, why can't no one find it? Why can't anyone find my game? I'm like, oh, it's in the bottom of a list. Well, that's bullshit. And people are going to start getting pissed. So that will, that will probably change. I hope. I mean, uh, all they need to do is just put like fucking categories. That would solve a lot of that problem. Yeah, but there's, I don't think they think it, they have enough games for categories yet. I mean, I, yes, it should not come out like that, but I think that's their thought process. Mm. Um, but, and maybe the reason they don't have Netflix or, or YouTube or anything like that is the same reaction they had with the Wii or I think it was the Wii. I don't know if it was the Wii or the GameCube. I think it was the Wii where they're pretty much asked, why don't you have a DVD player? And they're like, because everyone has a fucking DVD player. <laughs> so why would they want our system to play DVDs? So I'm thinking they're like, well, I mean, we have a Switch, and everyone has a smartphone, so why the fuck would they want to use the Switch to watch Netflix or YouTube? I mean, I I actually would prefer to watch Netflix. If I was mobile and I had my Switch with me, I'd rather watch it on a Switch screen than my phone. Yes. So, like, maybe sometimes, like you said, they're too far ahead of themselves for their own good. And that's not a very wise business practice. It's a portable machine. You have to have that be the media one top device. It's powerful enough to stream these services. It's not a power issue. No. That's no. not it at all. And, and yes, is it, and it could be more powerful. I wish the Switch was more powerful. Uh, but that's an entirely subject unto itself. Um, but yeah, um, just to say I'm just frustrated, uh, with Nintendo, with their recent stuff, with their classic stuff, uh, how they've, they, they they come out with great products, but the the way they they treat the market is is unique and it's novel. But ultimately, it's it's completely clueless for uh, 2017. Yeah, I, I think the way that I would sum all of this up is that uh, Nintendo is like the lovable bubbling idiot of the video game industry, and we will continue to pat them on the head and say, well. You guys are really cute, and and we like what you're doing. And it sometimes it's kind of fucking dumb, but you know what? We love you anyway. <laughs> well, I think that's a I think that's a pretty good episode for a return. Uh, it may not have been a return back to form. I think it was, but we'll find out from our lovely audience members. <laughs> All three <laughs> of we you. always have, <laughs> as we always have. <laughs> but um, seriously, if you're listening to the show, we love you, and. Yes. Uh, let us let us know you listen to the show. You know, it's I'm sounding desperate. <laughs> please, please call me. Uh, please. No, but I don't want to put anything out there that's going to put any sort of expectations that we're not going to be able to meet. But I will say that um, we're we're sort of as I think Chris alluded to at the beginning of the episode. Our hope is that we might be at least a little bit more regular with. Um, episode releases in the coming year they might not be in the traditional format that we uh have been doing up until this point uh it might actually end up being that we might do some solo episodes just to get some content out there to you guys um just because that's going to be easier for us being like what did you say like 10 hours difference something like that yeah i'll be 10 hours ahead uh or 11 hours ahead depending on and what you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. States. So, uh, so at the very least, we're hoping that maybe we can get some more stuff out. Um, but we wanted to take this opportunity to record a shorter episode just to, to get something out there and to let you know, guys know that we're still alive and that Chris and I still enjoy doing this. Absolutely. Um, yes. And the hope is that we can, uh, we can continue and hopefully, you know, uh, in another year or so, Chris will actually, uh, you know, stay here this time around and we can, uh, get back to a somewhat more regular recording schedule, but we'll see. To sum it up, uh, my job sucks for this. That is true. So yes. it, it's all, it's all my fault. Mm-hmm. And yep. if you're a fan of the show, uh, sorry, but uh, I need to put food on the table. Please send so all hate don't... mail to podcast at <laughs> retrohangover.com. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, facebook.com slash retro hangover. Yes. Uh, best way I would say would be would be Facebook. And remember, do we have a Twitter at retro hangover? Uh, we do. We do. I, I think a lot of people followed us and stopped following us because we have been dead for so long. We, we don't so, hold um, that against you. No. All right. Uh, that I feel like it's wrapped up. Uh, good show, Shane. And uh, we will see you next time, whenever that is. That's right. Until next time.